This episode of The Beautiful Struggle is brought to you by Bear Fruit, a Philadelphia-based lifestyle brand dedicated to turning beliefs into creative action and inspiring others to do the same. Head over to Bear Fruit, that's B3ARFRUIT dot com, and sign up for our newsletter. While you're there, check out our other podcast, Comic Book Junto, a weekly podcast about all things geek culture hosted by me, Octavius A. Newman, and my co-host and good friend, Adam J. Tedderus. And don't forget to grab some merch from our online store. As a reward for being a loyal, beautiful struggle listener, use code TBS to get 10% off your next order. Fair fruit. Believe, create, inspire. Now let's start the show. Hello and welcome to the Beautiful Struggle Podcast, episode 26. I'm your host, Octavius A. Newman. I'm the creator of Bear Fruit, and I am here with my old heads. My old Damn, heads. why you got to say it like that? Hey, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> I should show them respect. That's all that is. Uh, I'm here with my, with my old head. And if you're, not, if you're not from Philly, you might not know what that means. That means OG. That means older, wiser, sage. That means, you know, possibly person who plays maybe a mentor role you ask for advice so that's all meant in respect doesn't mean he's an old man i am old but that's okay okay that's all right okay. well then he he said it not me but i'm here with andrew chen what's up man it's hot outside yes um it's summertime mm-hmm. and it's a busy day but uh glad we finally got to do this yeah i actually made the trip out to new york internet just just talk about this real quick i forgot my computer on my desk <laughs> at home, I done bought an extra mic. This is the first time I've actually taken the beautiful struggle on the road, like traveled with it. And really? Like actually packed a bunch of stuff and like set up somewhere else, guerrilla style. To I feel do a like second you've podcast. done this stuff in other cities, right? Or no? I've had a bunch of people come into Philly. Okay. And I've gone to another place with a studio, but I've never unzipped the backpack and created a podcast studio. I forced you to do it. I was like, I'm not going to do this over. <laughs> Yeah, Andrew's uh, stickler for the quality is like, I'm not about to do this Skype earpods. Situation. Real talk, I'm not going to say which. Well, actually, you'll probably know because there aren't too many podcasts that I've done. Mm-hmm. But uh, there are varying uh, levels of quality in uh, in podcasting. Yeah. And uh, some come out better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if it's recorded poorly, it, it actually distracts me Yeah. Um, from being able to to listen and focus. So. Don't know how much important stuff we got to talk about today, but that's one that's least, one jewel for you, internet. Yeah, at least, at least, at least it'll sound good. Maybe. If everything, if we lose the internet right now, you can walk away with that. Yeah. So yeah, I made the trip <laughs> out here. I'm in uh, Self Edge. We're in his back office. We got we done bo- put some boxes together and got the mic set up, and we are getting ready to do this. So if this is your first time coming and listening to the, to the beautiful show, let me break it down real quick. Bear, this is brought to you by Bear Fruit. Um, Barefruit is a Philadelphia-based lifestyle brand. You can go to barefruit.com, sign up for the newsletter, check out our website, check out our other podcast, Comic Book Junto, that happens every week. Um, check out the other merch and things of that nature. Um, and the whole reason why I do this podcast is because I ultimately want to inspire you. That's what the goal is. Um, Andrew's inspired me from emails, text messages, phone calls, behind closed door conversations. And I just want to share that with other people. I want to show who the guy is behind 316 the guy who who the guy is behind self-edge 
So hopefully you can see some of yourself in him and hear his origin story and hear, like we always say, more than we can Google, you know? So that's what we're about to do. So Andrew, why don't you let the people know who you are if they have no idea like who's an andrew chen like i have no clue what 316 is there's a lot of andrew chens out there i think everybody's googled themselves before uh-huh. and uh there is andrew chen the hong kong oil tycoon i believe okay and then there's andrew related chen. not at all okay not at all there's about to say chen is a very very common name um and andrew is a very common name there's andrew chen the uh semi-professional or professional uh poker player mm-hmm and then there's uh, there's an Andrew Chen who's like a graphic designer in the Midwest, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, I am none of those. Yeah. Um, I am a husband, father, and uh, part owner of 316, mm-hmm. New York City-based uh, clothing brand, and also part owner of SelfEdge New York and SelfEdge Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, those are two branches of the original self-edge retail store uh, from San Francisco. Uh, we specialize in uh, well-made things, specifically yeah. jeans, yeah. but um, there's a lot of other fun stuff that we carry. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's up to five locations now. There's San Francisco, Portland, Los Angeles, New York, Mexico. There's one in Mexico. Um, there's one in Mexico. I did not know that. My, uh, my partners opened that up last year. Um, and who's your partner? So uh, on the 316 side, um, I work with Johan Lam. He's been with us since the beginning, and mm-hmm. and uh, he and I make the ship run. Um, and uh, on the self edge side, um, the founders of the shop are Kia and Dimitra Babzani, mm-hmm. and uh, they opened up self edge San Francisco. I don't know, close to ten years ago now. Okay, at this point, and uh, Johan and I got together with them to open up the New York and the Los Angeles branches of self edge. And uh, we manage our respective locations. Johan lives in LA. Yeah. And, uh, and I live here in New York. So we opened up Self-Edge New York seven years ago, mm. I think. And then Self-Edge Los Angeles six years ago. Wow. So when I first met you, you were only like a year into Self-Edge. Yeah. What was that? That must have been... 10, 9, 10, 2009, 2010. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we opened in 09, so we must have met in 2010. Yeah. Yeah, I reached out to Andrew because I was starting Bear Fruit, and um, I knew we had a mutual friend, and I just, whenever I get into something, internet, I just become a geek about it, I nerd out about it, so I'm just, I had gotten into streetwear, I started finding out about raw denim, started finding out about well-made things, as Andrew puts it, and I'm just digging and digging and digging, and I came across 316, and I saw 316, and I was like, huh. That sounds familiar. You know, I wonder what that's about. I wonder what that means. I wonder where that comes from. I'm, you know, so I was talking to my friend Joshua Wan, who, uh, if you ever watched that Believe, Create, Inspire video, his company, Scouts Honor, did that for me. I used to live with Josh. and you interviewed him early yeah, on. Yeah, and I had him on episode number three, I believe, three or four of The Beautiful Struggle as well. Um, so he introduced me to Andrew. And I was asking Andrew, like, hey, I'm starting this brand. And I met up with Andrew and I showed him the stuff with Bear Fruit. And Andrew was like, I don't like it. <laughs> Did I say that right from the get? I don't think was I it right from the get? I don't think so. I'm, but, I have a little more tact than that. But ultimately, the, the, <laughs> the point I'm trying to make to you is Andrew has been a, a real OG from old head from the beginning. Like he has never been, the, oh, yeah, yeah, it's really good. Like he, he has told me, Octavius, I don't like this. 
Octavius, I think you should do that. I think you should do it this way and that way. And I'm telling you that to tell you, internet, I appreciate it. It's not on some like, yo, this dude shot down my dreams. It's like he's giving me the real. And that's why I've come back over and over and over again to ask him for his advice, ask him for his opinion, just watch and see how he do, does things because he's, you know, years ahead of, you know, some of the things that I wanted to do with 316, not with uh, Bear Fruit. And I just wanted to be around and try to glean as much info as I could from someone who I admire and I'm inspired by. So what better way to kind of hopefully share some of the inspiration with, with you than to get him to, to talk a little bit about his origin story? You know, I think I found out about Bear Fruit, though, through uh, Josh Etiola. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he came to Selfedge on a whim. Mm-hmm. Um, I, maybe he talked, maybe he had met you in Philly. Did, was it in Philly? Yeah, I met, met him, at the I met him yeah, at a conference. In okay. Philly. So then he came in on his own um, and, uh, and bought a pair of, of 316 jeans from the shop. Yeah. And then I met him a little bit later on. We started talking and realized that, you know, we had uh, mutual friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess that's kind of where you came in, even though I, I, it must have been before we met face to face, you had already kind of yeah. told him about it. And yeah. Since he lived here in New York, he, uh, he ended up coming in. Now we're really good friends, which is cool. Yeah. And, uh, Josh made the transition into the well-made things before I did. <laughs> like, I was, Hey, if you're friends with him on Facebook, you got to look through some of his old profile pictures. He yeah. Some other things. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's looking fly, but you know, we all, we've all changed as well, we've fly, fly changes over time. Right. I mean, right. um, I, he had some, he had some Steve Harvey, what some Steve Harvey, uh, collection, the suit on. joints, yeah, the yeah, 18 yeah, button yeah, suits. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Josh Just, like, blowing up my boy on, in public that's that's unkind hey you know um, what it's gonna be okay <laughs> it's all in love hey we didn't all we weren't all born like in the things that we like true and uh i don't know 10 years 20 years from now mm-hmm. probably be into different things again or maybe yeah. our appreciation for things will maybe shift or, or deepen yeah um but and it's interesting you say that because even just to kind of give a little more context for who you are and what you do with Self-Edge in 316, a lot of the stuff that you do is leaning on heritage, older stuff, older methods of operations and ways of doing things. Can you just a little more context for people who don't know? Because if you say raw denim, if you say heritage, you know, I think that that might get lost on some ears. Um so when people ask me what I do for a living, mm-hmm. um, you kind of got to give it to them in in uh, in sections, right? Okay. And then as soon as the eyes start to glaze over, you're like, okay, time to move on to something else. Right. Um, but it usually starts out something like um, Johan and I make um, jeans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very simply, we make jeans. Yeah. And then the next question will usually be like, oh, what kind of jeans are they? Where are they made? Um, what makes them special? Something, something to that regard. Right. Um, because I think jeans are a very accessible item of clothing and everybody owns a pair. Yeah. Um, and, and there's everybody, yeah, everybody. And, and, and it's probably something you grew up wearing more or less. And, and so it's something that people can usually, um, ask a few questions about. Um, and then from that point on, you know, I try and gauge what, you know, what their interest level is at. Um, but we make jeans and we make clothing too. And we make it here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And uh, we develop all our own textiles. 
Um, so all the all the denim that you see on our jeans is is uh they're, they're all original fabrics that mm. we worked with the mill uh, in Japan. We work with Kuroki Mill um, in Okayama. I never knew how to pronounce that until just now. So Which thank one? you for that, Kuroki. Well, what else would it have been, Kuroki? I, maybe I think if it's Japanese, there's maybe a little bit of an accent or something like Kuroki or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we we developed a really great partnership with them, and uh, and they've been able to turn a lot of our our non technical ideas. Mm. You know, like we we want to make this kind of fabric, and we want it to look this way and feel this way, and and, and wear this. yeah, and wear out a certain way. Yeah. Um. And 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 translate it into something really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um. When you talk about raw denim, um, that's what we you know it's what what our our niche is, I guess. Yeah. Um. It's denim that has not been pre-washed or pre-distressed. Um. If you go to a store and you look at jeans that are kind of faded out, brand new jeans. Yeah. Um. They they don't just come out of a loom that way. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. There are a lot of processes that go into, um, sanding it or you know washing it with different chemicals to make it look lighter yeah. and, and, and worn in. And what brands are trying to do, is they're, they're trying to replicate what a pair of raw jeans would look like if you right. wore them in. Um, we've fallen in love with this type of denim uh, for, for a number of reasons. One, because um, I, in my opinion, it's hard to find a, a pair of jeans that look good that were artificially distressed, if you know. You know, yeah. if you know what to look for and you know what jeans look like yeah. when you really wear them in. Um, they look it, like they're your jeans because they're distressed and faded in particular ways. Right, right. And uh, and so there's that. There's also the fact that uh, raw denim tends to last longer because it hasn't been beat up over time. Right. Um, it's it, it, I, I liken it to buying a car that's got dents and dings in it already. Mm, yeah. Um, we like the process. We, we like the fact that, you know, jeans will age unique to each individual wearer. And mm. then on top of that, you know, according to what you were doing this past year or two, you know? Yeah. So I can look back on old jeans and I'm not trying to get too weird with it, but I can remember actually what I was doing and what right. phase of life I was in. Right. You know? Um, and that's kind of cool. And we're, we're into older things- sizes when I was smaller. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that too. You've lost some weight though over the over the years. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I couldn't even fit anything in here at all. Nothing. Shirts, jeans, nothing. I remember we were talking once and you were like, let me know when you got them 42s. And I'm yeah. like, you let me know when you get down to like 38 or 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So I that's actually been cool for me to, you know, for me to see you mm-hmm. change your lifestyle and and uh and and improve your health. I think it, you know. It made a made a big difference for absolutely, you and yeah, your wife. Right? Absolutely, I mean, change your life. Yeah, changed my life totally. So not only to get into jeans, but <laughs> but that's just <laughs> a part. Nice side, you know, you, know, you look good, you feel good. You can you can you can put some three sixteens on now. <laughs> um. So yeah, there's, you know, that's the type of jean that we specialize in making. Mm-hmm. Um. You hear the term salvage thrown around here and there. Um, yeah. Really quick. Um selvage denim is denim that's woven on a old um or vintage style shuttle loom mm-hmm. and uh it's not necessarily an indicator of quality but in most cases um selvage denim means that you know the 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 mill weaving it paid a lot of attention to it um and uh it's just a slower more inefficient more difficult way to make denim yeah um large by and large the the 
the denim industry transitioned away from uh, shuttle looms because they were able to make modern looms that would, you know, weave fabric wider, faster, mm-hmm. um, more consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, consistency is important to a lot of big companies. They don't want to be putting stuff on racks that, you know, one pair looks different from the other. Um, but as far as what we're interested in, we like when there's little inconsistencies because, you know, it shows you that something is, is handmade. Right. Um, right. Right. And so, um, yeah, those, that's, those are the reasons why we choose to make things the way that we do. Yeah. Um, it is probably what we make is probably more expensive than what a lot of people are accustomed to yeah. spending. Yeah, uh, but quality costs. It does. It does. Um, that's not usually something that I beat people over the head with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if someone took the time to ask me why is it so expensive, I'm happy to you know give it to you. Sure. Um, but I also understand uh, what I what I give to what I'll you know I present it in this way to some people. Is just hey, we all have our things, right? There's yep. certain things that you don't attribute too much value to, and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's other things that you care about. And you'll want to know why it's made a certain way, what components went into it, um, and uh, and you're willing to spend a little bit more time and or money um, to consume, you know, what you want to consume. Yeah, you could talk about that with, uh, you know, wine or, mm-hmm. or or whiskey, or you could talk about shoes, food. yeah, shoes, bags, everything. Food. Like everybody's got that thing that people go, you about to spend what on yeah, what? Yeah, 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 huh? yeah. Like, but hey, that's my thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. even like you guys have listened, you probably know comic books. Like there are some comic books that are going for hundreds, thousands of dollars. And yeah. it's like, it's a comic book from the sixties. You're not even going to read it. It's like, but it means something to me. So yeah. I, what drew me to you guys as I grew and matured and started to understand, I can't afford to buy cheap. You know, hmm. like spend an extra dollar, get a higher quality thing that lasts longer. Like I'd rather buy something that's that's made well, it's going to last a long time. I'd rather have less stuff that's more awesome than a bunch of stuff that's mediocre. I got to keep buying and buying and buying. So for me, the logic is that simple. It's like I'd rather have two pairs of amazing jeans that are unique and specific to me that I can break in that are going to last a long time yeah. and pay a couple extra dollars for it. Buy those red wings, pay a couple extra dollars for it. Buy those glasses, pay a couple extra dollars for it. I would rather have less stuff that's really, really good than a bunch of stuff that's eh, okay. Yeah. Um, Just a different mentality, I think. I agree. And I really, again, when it comes to personal friends or people that I I meet, I I, I don't really push them on that. Yeah. They're curious. Sometimes I've got friends who who over time will just kind of come to me a year or two later and just be like, Hey, I was thinking about buying some shoes and these fell apart on me. Yeah. You know, what else is out there? And then that's fun, right? Uh-huh. You can kind of, you can kind of dig. Oh, you want to talk to yeah, me yeah, now? Yeah. Huh? Okay. No, 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 no. Not like that like at that? all. Not, that's not how like I'm going to do them. Oh, now you want to talk. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know anything, but I can go to this website, check. No, absolutely. <laughs> help that person out for sure. Yeah. So that's fun. Um, but really, if you, Lasting long is a nice, you know, is is a nice reason for 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 buying a pair of our jeans or a pair of jeans from another brand that mm-hmm. that that you know makes a good pair. Um, but there's more more to it than that. I mean, at the end of the day, some people are like, you know, well, couldn't I buy ten pairs of Levi's on yeah. sale yeah. for the same price? And wouldn't those ten pairs of Levi's strung together back to back to back to back 
wouldn't they last longer than one pair of your jeans? Mm -hmm. And it's true. Yeah. You know, so if you're looking for straight longevity, then yeah, do you? Um, I think that another reason why people are into what we make is because, you know, we, we care a lot about what we do. I mean, it's a small company and, uh, I think a lot of our customers can sense that we take a lot of pride, um, in owning, operating, designing, um, our products and, uh, they're made with love. They're made with care. You Mm -hmm. know, the, the, the jeans are, um, like there's a, there's a lot of attention being paid to every single part mm-hmm. of the process. Yeah. So I think that as a consumer, part of why you're buying these jeans is for that reason. And you know, what's interesting to me, just thinking about the fact that you, you have, and you've done all this stuff, like, where do you come? Where like, where, like, I, I want to know, like, so for me, internet, when I hear a story like that and I hear, this is what I think, this is what I believe, this is how I got here. I want to know, okay, so where'd you come from? You know what I mean? How did you arrive to the place where you care and this, and you've chosen this path? Because like you said, you could be the guy who chose that. I'm just going to buy 10 pairs of Levi's. Matter of fact, I'm going to make a company that makes 10 pairs of Levi's. I'm going to champion that because I believe that, but that's not that that's wrong. That's not you. So I'm like, okay, how did you get down the path to being here? I was not born that way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So let's go back to the beginning then. How were you? How were you born? <laughs> where, born? Where were you born? I was born here uh, in Manhattan. Oh, really? Um, yeah. At uh, Beth Israel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I spent the first five years of my life um, in Long Island. Okay. Um, it was uh, my parents and I and my aunt and my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, we all lived in Long Island. Only child? Uh, at the time, yes. Okay. Um, and uh, we moved to Westchester, which is um, the PA? suburbs. Just no, 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 no. What? Not Westchester, New York. Okay. Um, it's the suburbs, just north of just north of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was when I, when I turned five and and started you know started school over there, I think they moved for a better school district. Um, and then yeah, my sister was born when I was seven. So um, at that point, that was our family. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, six of us mm-hmm. under one roof. And what was the, what was the crib like? Cause that's a lot of people. Um, it didn't seem like that much to me. It was always a full house, but, mm-hmm. um, when you started visiting, uh, other friends, houses who are not of your ethnicity, mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's a little strange because, you know, it's just immediate direct family that's there. What do you, what do you mean? I, I, I mean, like it, it wasn't common for, you know, your grandfather, or your aunt to live with you. Right. Um, but that's just something that my, you know, my parents. Now, is there a reason for that? Is it just like, come on, live, it'll be fun. Or is it out of necessity? I mean, does anybody really <laughs> want a ton of people in the house? That's why I'm asking. Cause I was wondering, like, is there a story behind that? Just my parents thought it was important to take care of their own. Got it. You know, um, my aunt raised me, my, both of my parents worked full time. Mm. Um, so she's really, she's really close to me. Um, we had to send her to a nursing home, uh, under a year ago. Mm. Yeah. So that's, that's been really tough. Um, but yeah, she grew up and and my grandfather passed away many years ago, Yeah, but, uh, I saw him every day, had breakfast with him every day. Um, and so, yeah, that was our, that was our family. That was our, that was normal for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to school at Westchester. I mean, 
I'm going to just speed. And I know how these go sometimes, but yeah. you know, we'll just kind of speed through it. Cause it had a pretty regular, uh, upbringing. What was so what's regular to mean to you? I don't know. It was just uneventful, I guess. Okay. You know, it was, I was pretty privileged. We grew up in a, in a, in a, in a nice neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents worked really hard and, uh, you know, my dad, what they, what they do. My dad was, um, a recreational therapist, um, in the South Bronx. Okay. So he, uh, he would work with, uh, um, both elderly patients and, uh, recovering drug addicts. Wow. Um, he'd hold like group sessions for them mm-hmm. and, and try and help them, you know, recover holistically. Yeah. Um, it was a rough neighborhood, rough job. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he loved what he did, but it was, it was tough. He saw things that you shouldn't have to see. Yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> um, he would never let me go with him to work because it was too dangerous. Really? Yeah. There was only one time that I visited his office and I remember we went to get takeout Chinese and you got the, you got the bulletproof. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. Um, and uh, my mom worked as a financial controller for Citibank, and she was there for a long time. What is financial controller just a, a different way of saying like uh, bank manager? Or no, she was like in the high tower. Okay, <laughs> you know uh, they, they built this brand new uh, building in uh, Long Island City mm-hmm. back when it was still in the cut, and uh, and it was beautiful, you know. Mm-hmm. And she so she worked on the corporate side. Um, she she was amazing at what she did. Yeah. And uh, for her to accomplish what she accomplished as a minority and as a female mm. um, is uh, very motivating to me. Yeah. Um, I remember, you know, there's a lot that your parents keep from you and don't tell you. Um, but I do remember every once in a while, the struggles would pop out. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind if I ask like, how so? Like what? what just, just being discriminated against and passed, uh, passed over. Yeah. You know, Um and uh, she had one boss in particular that really looked out for her mm-hmm. and allowed her to, you know, career to flourish. And she'll always give credit credit to him and say, you know, if he didn't look out for me, yeah, who knows where I would be? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm proud of both of my parents. They worked really hard. We never spent any money. We never went out to eat. You know. So wait, they're working crazy hard. You got. You said you're pri- privileged, but not spending any money. Yeah. That sounds. Like not what, what that doesn't sound like what most privileged backgrounds are like. They both came from nothing, you know. Uh-huh. And so you can you can do one of two things when you when you are earning money. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can live above your means, you know, because you have more money than you know what to do with. Yeah. Um, or you can save a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were really diligent savers, and uh, we never needed anything as you know growing up. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, they were they were always looking out to make sure that you know because we were able to go to whatever school we wanted to go to, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and it would we never had to sit down and have a hard talk about well, you know, this one doesn't offer enough financial aid or whatnot. Yeah, um, they put everything into that. They put yeah. everything into our future. Really? Yeah. And how did that affect like you growing up? Were you complaining? I want this. I want that. Or were you? Every like, kid I get is. It. Every kid is. Okay. You know, but. Um, I think the way that they ran the household, you just kind of knew what was within reach and what wasn't mm-hmm. and, and you adapt. And, uh, and that was, that was that. Yeah. So like me growing up, my mom worked a lot mm-hmm. as well. Cause it was just a single parent home. It was just my mom and me. We didn't have a bunch of people. My cut, co- you know what? I had a cousin come stay with us. I had an aunt come stay with us at different times, but it definitely was 
a unique experience having a mom who was always, always, always working. But I didn't have as many like family members around during like my during all the time to take care of me. So like, what does that relationship with your parents like if they're working so much? Were you close with them or was it like most of the time it's like, look, I'm doing this for you. I can't really X, Y, and Z. They were providers. Um, you know, I mm-hmm. think that was their mindset. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, you know, my dad is a typical Asian male. Now tell me what that means. Uh, what that means is that um, you're not usually very emotionally expressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I shouldn't say just Asian. I'm sure there's a lot of different ethnicities where, you know, fathers are, you know, they handle their business if they're a good one. Uh-huh. And then, you know, sometimes they can be a little, you know, reserved or standoffish. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew he loved me. Just never said it. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, Your dad's not like, Andrew, I love you. No, I mean, like, even now, um, it's it's a unique opportunity uh, that we hug. Mm. Whereas with my boys, I, I lose track of how often I hug them that was gonna in ask an hour. You. I was going <laughs> to ask know? you, yeah, like, so what is that? How does that translate into your, because you have two sons. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we can, we can get to that later, but I think okay. that growing up a certain way, um, with your father, if you know him, if you're, you know, if you're fortunate enough to know him, um, you probably look at certain things that he does and you, and you, this is how I feel about it. You know, there's certain things that I can only hope to do as well as him. Mm-hmm. And then there's other things that I want to do a lot better. Yeah. Um, so my mom, um, is definitely more, uh, vocally communicative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember sh- growing up, she would always ask me every day. Who'd you have lunch with today? That was always her question. Hmm. And uh, I got sick of the question. You know, I got sick of it over time. Like, mom, same people, you know? Yeah. But that was her way of trying to check in and make sure that, you know, I had friends and that, right. you know, I was functioning normal socially, I guess. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I, sh- I would just sit down, you know, when she got home from work, she would always call me over and, you know, sit with her as she was kind of, um, I don't know, we're, we're getting ready to go to sleep for the night. And mm-hmm. she would just say, you know, you know, how was school? Who'd you hang out with? What'd you do? Yeah. Um, and so she made every effort, you know, in so much as, you know, the, the time that she had, right. You know, to, to, to check in and see how things were going, but they both worked a lot. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't see them a ton. Um, like I said, my aunt, you know, did you find yourself it. wanting like, or were you like, I'm, I'm good with this. I don't think, you know, uh, ah. you know, maybe, maybe you just didn't know yeah. what, else, what else it would be. This is normal to me. Yeah, yeah, How yeah. else would it be? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of things about your parents that you just don't realize until you get older. So true. Right. And then you also don't recognize until you're in their shoes as a parent yourself. Mm. Um, and then everybody assumes that you know, maybe I'm growing up and I'm changing, but my parents are the same and that's not the case. You know, I, my parents have changed a lot too, yeah, you know, yeah. as they've gotten, as they've gotten older and have experienced more. Yeah. So it's cool. Now we, you know, we talk adult to adult, Uh huh. you know, and, and that's a very different relationship than what we, you know, what we had before. Yeah. I have a similar situation with my mom. It's like, I recognize now as I look and speak to my mom, I'm like, I don't really no, no, like know you. I know you as mom, mm. but I don't know who Paula is. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and I'm learning that now as an adult, like you're seeing a whole nother level. Cause at that time it's like provide, protect, 
you know, position you, get you ready to move forward? Did you do this? Did you do that? Is that handled? Is this handled? Boom, boom, boom. But now as an adult, it's like a whole nother layer where you're learning where I'm learning who she is as a person. That's a privilege. You know, that's a, that's huge mm-hmm. that, that you're, that you're able to do that now. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's great. Now you talked about your friends a little bit. Your mom's like, yo, who are you eating lunch with? What was your friend group? Like, I think that's always an interesting question because your parents play a large part in how you grow up, but also your friend groups and your activities and the things that you're into that plays a huge part as well. Yeah. I mean, I had three really close friends and, uh, and we would pretty much hang out after school every day. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd play basketball in jeans, get real sweaty. Um, and I'd lie to my parents and tell them that I was at math club or some crap. <laughs> were your, um, par- your parents weren't into sports or were like, they were very protective of me. I grew up with, uh, both, you know, pretty, I don't, I want to say severe, but you know, reasonably severe allergies and asthma. Oh really? Yeah, I've had to go to the I had to go to the hospital a few times when I was young for for both of those. Uh-huh. Um, and so they were protective and they didn't want me to get hurt or get into trouble or whatever. Yeah. And so um, whereas a lot of my friends growing up would be playing, you know, little league or uh, you know, intramural sports and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty off limits for me. Um, like not only Andrew, I'd rather you. It's like don't you dare. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not happening. You wow. Know? Um, and, uh, and so as I grew up and got older, you know, probably late middle school going into high school, mm-hmm. you know, I would just kind of sneak off and, 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 and play at the, you know, at the, at the courts. So with would my you get some paper towels and clean off and be like, mom, man, these math problems got me sweating out here. <laughs> What's up with your shirt? Andrew? Well, I would try and get home before my parents got home. You know, uh-huh. um, I would try and get in there, um, before, before they got back from work. Uh-huh. Um, did they we ever did, find out? Did you ever tell them, like, look, mom, I'm playing basketball. I'm going to the NBA. You can't stop. They're me. not dumb. I'm sure they knew here and there, uh-huh. you know, um, that that was the case. Um, but I don't know. Once I was in high school, I'm sure, you know, they realized I'm not a bad kid. I'm not getting in any real trouble here. Um, they just kind of, <laughs> it'll be funny when my boys get older yeah. and they're lying, they're lying to me mm-hmm. and I know. Mm-hmm. And I have to figure out like when when we're gonna when yeah. we're gonna when we're gonna talk about this. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe my parents never knew. Maybe they're gonna find out listening to this podcast. <laughs> you know, Andrew, we need to speak to you. Yeah, I'm gonna have you come, come home over. right now. We need to talk. We didn't. We heard you were playing basketball. Yeah. <laughs> Explain this. Yeah, we used to do that a lot. We used to. Um, I don't know. We just once once people got driver's licenses. You know, we had a you know we had a car. We drive around and sometimes do things, do nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your, what, what were your listen to rap music? Oh, what were you listening to? Oh, all kinds of stuff. Um, and to the 36 chambers came out when I was in middle school. Oh yeah. That was, that was special. That was a big, deal. and it was bad. It was bad. You know, like uh-huh. <laughs> first time you heard, the, you know, heard the torture skit. Yes. You're just like, what the heck is going on here? Yeah. Um, and it was it was interesting for me just because rap music kind of transported me to this world that I knew nothing about mm. having grown up in the suburbs. Interesting. Um, for a short while, we had the luxury of having cable TV. I, they must have had some promotion. So we were like, all right, we'll take it. And then, you and know, then they and shut then, it and off? It, yeah. And in a blink <laughs> of an eye, it was gone. Um, but back then, MTV used to play music videos. 
Internet, um, internet. I know this sounds weird to you, but like Andrew said, there was a time where MTV, which represents music, music television. television, played music videos, and the majority of them were. I'm not even going to talk about the box. We're not even going to go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You That's, just have to sit around too far. Sit around and just too wait for back. someone to pick the video you want to see. <laughs> but and there was very little hip hop. But you know, eventually they started playing the Yo MTV raps and more hip hop, and then you know, you know what else came out when I was in middle school was a uh, just G Funk. And so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Warren like, G and all that, yeah, and 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 Dre, mm-hmm. and uh, and you would see these videos where, you know, this was their this is their first video. Well, out you know outside of, I guess outside of NWA, mm-hmm. but you know nothing but a G thing was just him and the homies in Compton, and you watch this, it's like a movie or something. Expect like in in context, like looking at it from your perspective, you're like, what is what is where is this? I yeah. don't. And it was magical, right? I mean, it was yeah. Just, there's no such thing to you. And it was, you know, the lyrics, you know, kind of put you in this place where you're like, I cannot relate, yeah, at all, yeah. But audibly, it's so good, yeah. You know, um, and that's what good music does, I guess. It it moves your soul in some way or another, mm-hmm. right? It just so so there was that. Did that pull you towards the culture, like want to participate in it? Because I know that. No, I, th- I just, I just liked it. You just consumed. I just it. liked it. Yeah, I mean, um, I think it was written Nas. That that yeah. was that was that yeah. was early. That was maybe uh, high school. Um, Midnight Marauders. Holy yeah. cow! Yeah, yeah. I Play mean, that. In, yo, go. That go, was that go was on play that now. That was on. That was on my buddy's disc man. Disc man. And Andrew's got all the I old <laughs> the old school references for you. For you, if you don't know what a disc man is, you probably don't know what a Walkman is. But ultimately, before iPods and iPhones and all that kind of stuff and Apple watches, you had to carry jewel cases, which co- which contained CDs, which broke in your backpack. Yep. Or you had the CD wallets that you would unzip and you'd put yeah, yeah, yeah. CDs in there. Yeah, that's when you that's when you like yo, I need to get one of these. And you start trying to reason with your parents. It, it's it's more I can, it makes more sense. Cause I don't have to break the jewel cases, but you'd have to take the CD out, make sure it didn't get scratched, put it in there, and then make sure you had fresh batteries and play your CD from. Do you that. think your listeners like kind of get tired of this? Like, hey, remember back in the day when I don't know what the demographic is like. I don't know. I don't. I mean, <laughs> I just I just think it's funny actually. Like to to reflect on those kind of things because you know it's funny. You don't recognize, or at least I don't recognize, that I am now considered a part of an older generation. Mm-hmm. I was always the current younger generation. But now when I say I had a tape, there's a person listening who's actually going, what is a tape? They've probably seen a picture of it once. You yeah, know? but they really don't know <laughs> what I'm talking about. There's some people who are like, I don't, I actually don't know what a Walkman is. Back then, if I wanted to put a mixtape together, I would have to listen to the radio. And then if a song came out that mm-hmm. I came on that I liked, mm-hmm. I would have to hit record immediately. Run to it. Immediately. And dub then, over some by mistake. Yeah, and then hit stop when it was done. And sometimes like you would get a little bit of like the uh, the DJs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> talking that over was the track. Was, yeah, yeah, whatever. Crisscross, jump with. And if you had the ill mixtape, then, you know, you'd bring it to school and uh-huh. then someone would take it home and dub it. Yeah. And then start getting passed around. Yeah. Um, but back then, there was, you know, on even on Top 40 radio, mm-hmm. they were playing Tribe, you know, and they were playing Dre. Um, so it was, it was good. It, you know, you, you, you had access to things. And then, 
from that point on, then you start digging, right? Yeah. You start figuring out, you know, who else is on this album. Um, and that began who produced. Yeah. It. And that began a lot of like, you know, you've talked in the past on your podcast about like getting into this, like wormhole of, yeah, you know, it's like Wikipedia surfing, right? Yeah. You read something and you're like, Oh, that's interesting. And then you could, you could be on there for an hour mm-hmm. just surfing these different links. Um, but yeah, that, that became the way that I, I started discovering a lot of things that I, that I love in life. Right. And with, um, so from hip hop, from the friends chilling, balling in denim, not raw yet. <laughs> no. Where do we go from there? Um, I graduated from high school mm-hmm. in 97. No. Oh, I meant to ask you this question before. During this time. Yeah. Around that age, I remember having dreams. I'm going to be. I want to be. I what, had no dreams. What is that? I don't understand that. But I don't actually remember most of my dreams. Are you, I mean, are you talking literal dreams or are you talking just like figuratively? Um, I, well, when I'm talking dreams, what I'm actually talking about is like not, ne- not necessarily REM sleep. I mean, oh, you, yeah, yeah, okay. actually yeah, like yeah, you're talking about, like, yeah, I wish I one could. Day, I want to. One day one I would day. like to. Yeah. I mean, the only time I had that kind of dream when I was little, for some reason, I was really into Hess trucks. You know, those, those you know, I, they, they, they still sell them. I the think. Hess trucks back. Yeah. But there's no Hess gas stations anymore. Uh-huh. So you can't get it at the gas station. You got to buy it online. Uh-huh. But yeah, I used to tell my elementary school teacher, I want to be a Hess truck driver when I grew up. Mm. And I don't know why or whatever, but from that point on, I mean, even when I graduated high school and I went off to college, mm. I had zero vision of where I was going. So why though? So what, what, what was your day to day, like motivation to even live, exist, move forward? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean that by no disc, yeah, but I'm yeah, actually yeah, interested. Yeah. No, I, I think I was content hmm. to just move forward. And that was the case for the first few years out of college too, to be honest. Even that, so what did you major in? I majored in economics and public policy. And, Any uh, reason in particular? No, no. I knew that the school that I went, I went to, so I, I went to Chicago for school um, and uh, the college that I went to had a strong economics department and I don't know, I took one economic class in, in, in high school and it was, so, and it was somewhat interesting, right? It was, it, it seemed yeah. of interest. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. It was gnarly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just picked it because I knew, you know, the school had a good economics department and it seemed like it'd be something that'd be a good basis for me to, you know, find a job afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, so you going to college, was your parents pushing you into that or you just like kind of following the herd? You know what? There was really no other option. Um, my parents worked very hard, um, so that I could have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, it was like almost a duty. Yeah. But I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, um, it's not like I, you know, I, I went, you know, begrudgingly. Okay. It's just what you but did. You did. But so, but, but what I'm really getting, which I think is interesting. And floating, you know, like I, but I'm, I'm connecting the story in my head. Now I'm connecting now to then. Yeah. And it's like, I'm hearing this kind of like, yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, and even looking ahead and seeing where you are now, I'm like, okay, I'm actually interested to see how does this connect? You know what I mean? I mean, if you ask a lot of people, like, did you ever expect to be at this point? Yeah. Um, I'm sure that in most, that you might get the rare one where it's like, yeah, from, from an early age, this is what I was focused on. This is what right. I was into. Right. Um, but there are plenty of people that just, I don't want to say stumbled upon it, but specific life circumstances take you in different directions. And, and that's 
that's what happened with me, I guess. But I think with the part, the, the part that is standing out to me is, and I hope this doesn't come across in any kind of way negative, is a passionlessness. It's kind of just like, I don't know. There's def- uh, there's, there's definitely different um, ways that that uh, than this that, that passions can come out. I mean, there's definitely people that have passions and don't know how to execute on them, mm. and then there's other people that are trying to figure out what their passion is. Mm. Yeah, and then yeah, there were yeah, people yeah. like me at the time. At you know, at that age, I didn't know that you were supposed to you know follow a passion. R- really? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I it wasn't something that I was keeping me up at night saying like, what is my passion, you know, <laughs> right. It, it just, I don't know. It's Chicago seemed like an interesting city. Mm-hmm. It was a good school. I was excited for that. I was excited to meet new people, make new friends. Um, but really for a long time, it was go to school, get your degree, find a job. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't really too much, um, on my mind about finding something that I would wake up and be super excited like, about. I figured, or- yeah, I figured, you know, what everybody else does. And I, again, I don't mean to, you know, I don't want to say everybody, but sure. At at, at my, at that point in time in my life, you know, we all get jobs, you know, we pay our bills. Okay. And then if there's things that you're into, you, you find ways to enjoy them. Right. You know, you want to go to a concert, you know, better go to work so you can pay for Mm -hmm. that. And that kind of makes sense from your background as well. Cause what did mom and dad do? They hustled. Yep. They worked, they handled their business. So it would make sense that you're like, well, I'm probably going to grow up and hustle and work and handle my business and take care of my family. Yeah. There are little hints here and there though. Um, like my father, for instance, um, over the, I don't, I don't remember where or how or when this came up, but I remember he had dreams of, of, uh, of, of owning his own business. In fact, this popped up several times. Okay. Um, earlier on, um, I don't know if it was before I was born or maybe just after I was born, he, uh, really wanted to open his own Arby's franchise. Really? Yeah. Curly and fries all yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love them. Um, but curly fries. But my delicious. mom, you know, said it, that it's hard work. You know, it's going to take up a lot of time and a lot of mm-hmm. effort, a lot mm-hmm. of frustration. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I guess they came to the decision together that it was not a wise pursuit. Yeah. But I, that's the first time I heard about him wanting to do something. He would never tell me about this on his own. You have to, you know, okay. you have to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, Did you just hear over, over your conversation or is this, I mean, maybe somebody said something or it came up, maybe my mom volunteered it up and then mm-hmm. we kind of talked about it for a little bit, mm-hmm. but he wouldn't really jump in there and be like, man, but those roast beef sandwiches, you know, like he, can he you never- imagine <laughs> whenever we want? Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think they, there were, there are many reasons why they chose not to go in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but, there was also, uh, when I was maybe in middle school or high school, he wanted to start an ambulance service. What uh, is that? Ambulance service is, uh, is where you, you know, I'm sure you see them all over the place. Like the, ambulance and amb- not ambulance ambulette. It's, uh, it's basically a van service or, okay. uh, you know, you'll, you'll see small vans or like they look like little school buses sometimes, Okay, but they're medically equipped. Um, to help transport people back and forth, um, usually elderly people. Okay. Um, and because he really had a passion for studying the aging process, that's what he, you know, he got his PhD in gerontology, hmm. um, which is, you know, the study Are of they aging. first generation? Yeah, they came over, they both came over from China. Okay. Um, and they were both college educated here in the U.S. Hmm. Um, and, you know, took my dad. Did they come over English speaking or did they learn? They had to learn. They had wow. to learn. 
that is hustle. Yeah. That is, I, I, that's a level of hustle that there are so many stories that I still haven't heard. You know, I can't even imagine. Uh, let's go working. Work, I, I mean, yeah, I don't. Like, I don't even know how to speak. I can't even basically communicate. I need to get here. I I need this to survive. I yeah. need this to live. I can't Crazy. even wrap my mind around what how much hustle it would take. And the immigrant struggle is happening like all around us. Yeah, you know, it's happening when somebody's helping you out at a at a store and you're getting annoyed because they can't. You know, right. Yeah. But if you didn't grow up with that, maybe it's hard to understand. Yeah. Um, but there was that. He wanted to start the ambulance service. He applied for some grants and tried to make that work and uh, didn't really get off the ground. Um, and growing up, I always had these art projects, right? And he would jump in and crush on yeah. my behalf. Yeah. Okay. He was... He was an amazing illustrator. Really? Yeah. Did he do? And was still he all, is. Was I mean, he always you know, doodling. Not always doodling on his own, but whenever you know something came up, we had to make a poster board or he's something. He's like, watch yeah, out, yeah, watch out, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me. Get, I got this. Yo, I won an award once. And I did zero work. <laughs> um, and uh, after a while, you're just like, Dad, you're really good at this. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, Yeah, whatever. Mm. Um, and I remember my mom telling him, you know, Hey, at some point you should just go to the local community college and take painting classes or something. Mm -hmm. And he would always say, no, you just be like, it's a waste of time. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know if that stuck with me in some way or whatnot. It's not like I had something that I was really hoping for and it never came to fruition. Yeah. Um, but I remember maybe that's where practicality comes in. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, there was, there was things that he wanted to do and for some reason or another didn't happen. And, uh, or he valued something else more heavily, and he figured, I can. I'm only assuming for me to do that it would take away from this. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and those are things that I I remember. But I remember him being good at mm-hmm. certain things. Yeah, um, and even now, like I'll tell him now, I'm like, Dad, you're retired. You don't have anything else. Well, he they they do they do a lot of volunteer work. Okay, but you know they have all the time in the world to go take a painting class if they want to. Uh-huh. And even now, he'll just, you know, it's almost like he's gotten even more staunch. Is like, it still a waste of time to him? I guess so. Huh. I guess so. Um, I'd be like, Dad, we'll, we'll, we'll enroll you. We'll yeah. take care of this. I you got know? this. Yeah, but no. How old is mom and dad? Uh, how old are mom and dad now? Um, Mid-70s, late-60s. Mm. So um, they're in the process of moving out of my childhood home. They're still there. No, they're moving. They, 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 you know, they're they're moving out of it to uh-huh. an apartment. Um, so that's been kind of weird, having to go back and sift through things. And yeah, you know, there's going to be a day later this year when we we're not going to be able to go visit that house anymore. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's been interesting. So they're in a stage of transition too. Um, a lot going on. So at this, so uh, in the story, we're now at a couple years out of college. Mm-hmm. You got a job doing. IT. I was in IT consulting. So I stumbled onto it, um, really. Uh, it, this was right before the job market tanked. Mm-hmm. Um, so this would have been 2000. Okay. And I was very fortunate. I had a few job offers. I had one um, from, a, from a company that I interned for out here in New York. Um, it was nothing exciting, but it was a job. Um, and then uh, I got an offer to stay in Chicago um, at a, and, 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 start out as a, you know, as an IT consultant. And, uh, so I took that job and, uh, and, uh, it was, it was okay. 
It's all right. Um, I didn't have pa a passion for it. And I knew this because I used to uh, fall asleep during meetings. <laughs> and this was not due to a lack. I was going to say, yeah, is that a lack not, of sleep? No, what? it was not a lack of sleep, um, but it was a lack of engagement. Okay. And uh, if I get bored, I zone out. And at some point in time, I would just, my eyes Dose. would close. Yeah. And it was a really bad look because, you know, clients would be paying a lot of money yeah. by the hour for you to be there Yeah, uh, in these really boring meetings. Right. And How so, long are the meetings? I mean, somewhere an hour, somewhere more. Um, we had, so what we did was we used to have to like work out, we'd have to map out what a current process was, you know, we'd sit down with a client and be like, how do you do this? Uh -huh. And where does this process begin? Who initiates it? Yeah. Right. And then work it all out and then document it, interview them, document it out, and then figure out how we can make it more efficient. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can program some programs to, you know, make this run more smoothly, less yeah. steps, less, you know, yeah. this guy telling this guy, pass a piece of paper, fill out this form, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it was really boring. Mm. Um, and so I was completely disengaged. Um, and it was, <laughs> yeah, I had, I, I got reprimanded for it a few times. Um, but there were things on the side that I, that I had fun doing, mm -hmm. you know, I, back then I was, uh, I was also earning money for the first time in my life, like your real, own money. real money. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, a few of my friends and I started building cars. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like just pulling this old school joint out in the garage and just tinkering. Yeah. Like to tinkering and tuning cars and, uh -huh. you know, illegally racing them on the weekends and stuff. Sounds fantastic. Um, so I was having a blast. Mm -hmm. Just wasn't, wasn't engaged at work. Getting this money in the mornings yeah. to the, to the, to the afternoon evenings. Let me go, let me go, uh, race these cars afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's, uh, that was, that was it for a few years and, you know, on, on the clothing side, I would, you know, in Chicago, you don't have the, uh, you don't have the options that you do in New York. Um, mm. but I was at, at that point in time, I was buying a lot of t-shirts from this website called digital gravel. Oh yeah. You remember that? Oh yeah. They it's were like, now you got to explain. They that, were, that's a real deep cut. They were, they were the OG online streetwear store mm -hmm. and, and they, uh, they were based in, in Dumbo back when Dumbo was not a safe place to be uh, in Brooklyn. And uh, it was a few, few people mm -hmm. that, uh, that got together and found all these really, really cool underground brands. Yeah. Um, and by underground, I mean, you know, back then your, your options were, you know, urban brands, yeah. right? You'd have like Sean John. John. Yeah, exactly. Mecca. Rocco, Rockefeller. Rockaware. Wooware. Yeah. Woo yeah Carl Kanai. Yeah. So there was that. You had Urban. Yeah. And then, you know, if you were uh, on the other end, you'd be into like skate or surf, right? Yeah. yeah. Stuff that you used to find at Pacific Sunwear in the mall, mm -hmm. you know, um, what you'd find Her at Hurley or. Yeah. Hurley like or. or uh, Spitfire. Yeah. Or Element or, you know, like skate stuff, mm -hmm. core skate stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there were these brands mostly in New York City, but there were some from the West Coast as well that were putting out what you call them deep cuts. Yeah. You know, obscure references that only if, if, if only, only people who would listen to a certain yeah. album, yeah. you know, influential music album would get yeah. or highly politically charged messages. Yeah. Um, it was, it was, there were, everybody had a brand like a logo t-shirt, mm -hmm. but that wasn't the centerpiece of your, of your collection. Yeah. Whereas if you go into Pacific somewhere, you got like, 80 different variants of the same logo. 
Right. You know, um, and that attracted me. And I, you know, I was, I remember, you know, before I went to Chicago, I would come to, you know, to come to New York City and and, and go shop at Union. Um, but you, we didn't have a union in Chicago, mm-hmm. at least not to my knowledge, not at the time. Um, I ended up finding, you know, finding a store. When and, you start digging, you start finding. It's yeah. so funny when you get into that culture, you start going, well, where is this near me? Or where's the closest one? Yeah. Or who can deliver? Yeah. Or, you know. You interviewed Jeff Staple, uh, I guess, what was it, like a couple interviews ago. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Staple Design was on Digital Gravel mm-hmm. when I discovered that website. Um, so yeah, there was that. Um, and that just, just how did you stumble across that? Start searching online, I guess. You know, this mean, is like the early days of the internet, you know. What was the entry point? Did you see somebody else who had a t-shirt on? You're like, that's cool or... Yeah, I can't. You know, I can't exactly remember that uh-huh. the, the moment in time when I started getting interested in streetwear. Um, a lot of people today get into it probably through sneakers, mm-hmm. um, but at the time, I I don't know. Maybe I saw it in a store, and you know, at that point, because the internet was in its infancy, you could start doing searches yeah. for it. So I'm I'm a direct benefactor of of, of the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe to a lesser extent than people are today. Yeah, but it was there, you know, and and digital gravel made it available to me when I couldn't find any place to get stuff, you yeah. know, locally. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, at the time, I had a friend in New York City while I was still in Chicago. Uh, he was a graphic designer, and uh, and I started when I when I was back here in New York for you know for vacation or whatever. I started talking to him and saying like, you know, it'd be cool to kind of make something. Yeah do something, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he wasn't really up on streetwear. So I started showing him a lot of these different brands that I was into and their visual approach and how different it was than what you would typically see on a graphic t-shirt that was worn by someone who was, you know, 16 to 20 something. Um, and so we started it called the 316. Okay. And, uh, I think part of the motivation You're still in Chicago at this time. I was still in Chicago at this time. Yeah. And he's in New York. Yep. And this, is, it, is that Johan? No, this was another partner okay. um, who's no longer part of the company, but he's the one that I, you know, I originally started the company with. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, 316 um, was, was motivated by the fact that as Christians and as creatives, we felt like, you know, how come there's nothing on Digital Gravel that is, you know, that presents that worldview or that perspective but yep. does it in an and the answer was that nobody did it in a way that wasn't corny yet yeah you know yeah. um when back then when you when you talked about a christian t-shirt you know you would shudder because it'd be something you'd find in a music festival the sprite logo yeah but exactly it says spirit yeah exactly ah uh, stop there was so there were so many that were prominent in my mind back then but i've since wiped them from my memory but there were a lot of bad yeah. ones yeah that so internet it was a similar experience for me as well like how come all of our stuff sucks <laughs> like why is all of our stuff whack like it doesn't represent like are we just not creative like i mean well maybe i should just make some you know what i mean like similar yeah i, I think i think that for a long time um having a christian worldview but not being able to relate to um certain areas of design yeah um that were out there it, just, it was it was kind of strange to me because i there was music that i liked that was being made by christians not that it took over my entire life and that was all i listened to but i thought that was cool 
But then, you know, when it came to the fashion side and, and you know what, over time, once you're in it, you start to meet people and realize, Hey, there's more out there than I realized. There's a lot of believers out there, but they're not making art that is explicit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, it, it, and, and that's okay. And that's actually quite beautiful. You know, there's some, ex- sometimes being explicit is absolutely necessary. Like there's, for example, music, there's music for the church. There's music that is meant to sing in the worship gathering. Then there's also music that's not meant to do that. So you can't always call it by the content necessarily. No. Um, but as, as I looked at it, I was like, you know, there's nothing there. Um, and because uh, being a Christian is a big part of who I am and my identity, um, I thought it would be cool to, to, to start a t-shirt brand that would integrate that in. But in a way that I felt like people could relate to. Um, and so 316, John 316, you know, um, yeah. and, and, and uh, I figured people would get it right away. And a lot of people didn't. And that was kind of cool. That was, mm-hmm. that was actually really cool that some people. Yeah, that was one of the things when I came across 316, like I said, um, I saw 316, I saw the logo and I was like, huh. I wonder what this is about. You know, I don't really know, but I can assume because I mean, I saw your stuff in Complex. I saw your stuff, and it was never like Christian clothing company, Christian brand, blah blah blah. It was just like we love three sixteen jeans. Yeah. Period. That's what it was. Um, so when I found out that you were a believer, it was even cooler to me that it wasn't all about your worldview. But at the same time, I got it. I mean. What is a Christian? No, you're good. Is that your phone? I don't know what it was. Um, don't worry, internet. We got this. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean, what is a Christian T-shirt, and what are Christian hey, jeans? You hey, know, and I know, I agree, and 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 I don't think that these these items, these physical items, you know, are you know inherently yeah. faith based. As far as I know, as far as I understand, Christianity is a belief system. Last I checked, a poster doesn't believe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like putting putting Christian on something or putting Jesus or a scripture on something is not it's not faith in Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like so I, the concept, I do get it though, I understand. I, I can translate it into explicit proclamation. Right. But it's yeah, not there's how, really, I mean fast forward to what we make today there's no way to do that with a pair of jeans right nor without, without making it whack yo without screen printing it straight up on the leg or something yeah um but in the inside pocket you know you got the inside pocket where you've got isn't there there's a serpent in there oh, that's well, an old that's old that's an old one yeah, yeah 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 but you know what we that was that was the case in a lot of our graphic t-shirt designs mm-hmm. and uh we still carried some of that imagery over here and there um and uh yeah if you if you want to know if you do a quick search you'll find it it's yeah. not like we're hiding it under a rock or something like that yeah um but to a lot of people today you know we are uh, a small company with offices in new york and los angeles that tries to make good products that will serve you well for a long time mm-hmm. um that are inspired by many different things you know a lot of different things that we are personally into and um and 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 that's it. And then for others, you know, we're 
it's an encouragement to them to find out that, you know, that we believe in the same thing that they do. And, you know, and, and, and sometimes it's an encouragement to people who do not believe in what we believe in. Yeah. Um, we've gotten that email before. We're just like, I am not a Christian. I don't really see that in my future at all. But I think it's cool that you guys stand for something and that you allow what you stand for to guide the way that you run your, or try, you know, try to, to allow it to, mm-hmm. to, to guide the way you run your company. Um, and so that's been a uh, really, really refreshing thing. But that wouldn't have been the case early on, I don't think. I mean, it took, it, it took time to kind of to get to that point. You know, it's interesting looking at it now. And as I've grown, because even with Bear Fruit, even with my life, even as a creative in general and all of the, you know, just, just building and trying to figure things out. One of the big things that I've grown in is understanding that there's more than one way to represent your faith, your worldview than explicit proclamation. And when I look at you, I look at, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know what I mean? Everything, things need to be done decently and in order. Things need to be done well. Mm. You know, God sits back on the seventh day and is like, yo, this is good. Yeah. You know, like where's the scripture on the clouds? Like things being done excellently, beautifully, awesomely. Things being undeniable. That's a word I use a lot. It's undeniable. And I see 316 and I see self-edge and I walk in here and I see your reputation and I go, this is undeniable. There's no way that you can engage with this brand and go, ah, this seems falling apart. This isn't done well. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that represents your worldview. That represents your faith. That represents like the God that created me did a good job. You know, he did a good job. He's excellent at what he does. He's undeniable. And I being his creation, I want to reflect that in what I do. And that's in a way a gospel proclamation. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's presenting truth, but it's not necessarily the Bible says, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? And I just think I've, I've, I've grown into having that kind of understanding and appreciating both ways of communicating what you believe. Yeah. So I, I see, I basically what I'm saying is I see it in what you do. That you is, know? that is a big encouragement to us, you know, and our, our hope was always that that would be the case. Um, can I say one other thing, Andrew? Yeah. Sorry, I just cut you off, but it, <laughs> I, I, I had it in my mind because this is a thing for me. You can't just put Jesus on something and now it's good. Like that's something that I really struggled with. The girl gets up and she can't sing. She is a bad singer. Yeah. That's all right, baby. You are, bless him. No, sit down. Yeah. You are not good. The de- you designed it, but it's for God. It's for it's for the gospel. You know what I'm saying? Support, but you're a, you're not good. You know what I'm saying? And I really wrestled like when I was a newer believer, and when I came to the faith, it was actually a barrier for me. Yeah. It was like, but you guys creatively are not good. And, I, and I'm wrestling with this. This is making it hard for me to lean into this because I almost am ashamed of y'all. I kind of don't want to be associated because excellence and quality before I was a Christian was important to me, you know? So when I come to you guys, you Christians creatively, and y'all are all mediocre, it's like, I, I kind of don't. So I, I'm really big on going, you know, you can't just slap Jesus on it. You can't just slap a scripture on it. And then it's good. It needs to be good. It, and there's many different ways to, to, to communicate good. I think that was the idea and the motivation 
when we started the brand to, to actually call it 316. And we could have called it anything, you yeah. know, and who knows, maybe we would have gotten further if we called it something that wasn't faith-based and maybe we would have went away after six months. I don't know. Um, but I do know that the idea and I had no real, I, I, I don't think I had an inkling of, of an idea of, of how hard this would be. Um, but you and me both. Well, I mean, <laughs> the pie in the sky, you know, was the, the goal we were reaching for and had no idea even how far that goal was, Yeah, was to, to, to do something that, um, that was excellent. That would represent, you know, what we believed in well. Mm. Um, but man, that is a, how hard is that? That is a, that is a difficult, difficult thing. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Yeah, I guess. Um, but I don't know. We all have, we all have different lanes, right? I mean, I, I I don't, I don't want to tell people what, you know, (laughs) what you should or shouldn't do. Well, you know, earlier on in the company, I used to, uh, I was pretty stuck on this, this excellence thing, you mm-hmm. know, and, 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 and I would, I would tell people, you know, don't just come correct or don't come at all. You know, I would say, you know, don't, don't waste your time patting each other's backs and yeah. telling people, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going support. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Um, because there is a culture of that. Um, you know, if it cannot stand on its own, you know, up against everything else. Yeah, then 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 why? You know, the world doesn't need another t-shirt brand or the world doesn't need another whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've changed over time mm-hmm. with regards to that approach. Um, I still think that it's important to try and find what you're good at. Yeah. Um, not just something you're passionate about, but that you're also mm-hmm. in some way equipped for. But that you're um, adding value to people what you do. Yeah, but but then you know, on the flip side, I I think what you've highlighted in a lot of people that you've talked to in the past is that there's a lot that you can learn along the way. Yes. Even if you're not good at something, yeah. um, you can meet a lot of cool people. Um, it gives you an avenue to just stretch yourself and try things that you might not be good at mm-hmm. otherwise, or, mm-hmm. you know, um, so there's a lot to be learned. Um, even as you pursue something that may not be your, your ultimate life calling. Um, or your passion, <laughs> right? You know, maybe yeah. it's your passion now, and it, and it won't be in, in a year or two. Yeah, and maybe but, finding something that you're good at that's not your passion will give you a sense of you know conviction and drive. Yeah, and or maybe you start to realize like I'm good at this certain thing, and I can link up with somebody else who's good at that thing. Yeah, um, and uh, and together we can you know make something that's that's you know special. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's not a it's not a waste of time. Mm. You know, I, I don't think it's a waste of time. It just so happened. And we're very fortunate that this is the case. It just so happened that 316 was the first thing that we tried. And up until now, 12, by this August, 13 years later, mm-hmm. it's still going. Yeah. But it could have not, you know, yeah. and, and, and there are plenty of people that um, are in a position where it could be any number of things. You could have been too early. Yeah. It could have been too late. Yeah. Just might not have been the right place. <laughs> And it's funny, Internet, I told you in the beginning, I showed Andrew, you know, he's very kind, very gracious, you know, always talked to me all whenever I came to New York. Most of the time he met with me, um, but he also gave me always gave me honest feedback. And speaking about finding something that you're good at, I remember when I shared the podcast idea with Andrew and he gave me his feedback and I started doing it. And when he told Josh, he's like, man, every time he puts an episode out. I always got to listen. And that got back to me. And I was like, well, I must be doing something good. 
Because if Andrew's telling Josh he likes it, and I spoke to Andrew, he's like, man, I really like it. I think this is your thing. And that was such a huge encouragement and motivation to me because Andrew has always kept it very 1,000 with me. And this is not the first thing you've tried. It's not. But, th- but speaking of which, I started doing this. I started getting affirmation. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm good at this. I think I might be better at this than I am at actually making clothes. And that's even one of the things that you told me straight up. is like, look, I think this is your thing. I think this is really what's more valuable, at least to me, than the clothes you're making. And that's like, I, ju- I just want to be transparent on the air here. Like, that's a real thing to wrestle with. Like, mm. but I want this thing to be what it is. I want to make, I look at Jeff Staple. I look at Andrew Chan. I look at Staple. I look, and I want to do that. I want, and, but then you're like, but hey, young boy, you're really good at this. You're way better at this than you are at the thing you want to do. So having someone to kind of people to push me in a direction, I've really started to lean into it. And I'm finding, man, I get more fulfillment from sitting down and running my mouth, talking to people than I get from making a t-shirt. Not that I'm not going to make t-shirts, right, but right. it's more fulfilling. And the response I get from that yeah. is so much more encouraging even, you know, more people. And it's like, that's a weird place to be when you thought you were going to be this guy and it ends up going, well, maybe this is the thing I'm supposed to do. And I would have never got there. No, but don't tell all the people that got bare fruit tattoos. Right. No, not that <laughs> they still bare fruit. You know what I mean? We still bare fruit out here. But don't yeah, get a, but, don't get a lasered off yet. Yeah. But the thing is, I had to start, like you're saying, I had to go for it. I had to begin somewhere and go through the journey. I, I, I'm sure I never would have been here talking to you and doing this podcast and finding something that I'm good at had it not been, hey, check out my clothing line. What do you think? You know what I mean? Built a lot of bridges for you. Yeah. A lot of people that you ended up getting to interview, mm-hmm. you probably met through the t-shirts. Yeah. Absolutely. So. I, got, I got one more. I got another thing I want to know. You started out with, with t-shirts. Yeah. Bridge this gap to raw denim, selvage, all of that. Okay. So two years into the company, um, I, sp- I parted ways with my ex-partner um, and Johan, you know, I'm really fortunate that, that he was interested in, in coming on board. He was helping out from the get-go. Um, he was uh, starting out college when the company was founded and he was interning out of Los Angeles, pitching in every which way he could. Right, um, right. And then when he graduated- Oh, he started as an intern. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But when he graduated from college, um, he had a couple of really you know, promising job offers on the table. And you know, I, I realized at that point that the company would be so much stronger with him full-time mm-hmm. you know, as, as my business partner yeah. than without- um, and so I just threw it out there to him. I didn't know if he'd take it, if he would consider it. Right. Um, you know, the salary was probably much lower than anything else he got offered. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm very fortunate, um, to have him, uh, on board, uh, with me, you know, and, and, uh, he is a, a big reason why, I'll, you know, the company has taken a lot of these directions that we've taken. Mm. He was up on raw denim before me. Wow. Yeah. Um, he introduced you to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was the one that came back with a pair of jeans, and I said, "You paid what?" You wow! <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. I can imagine. And even looking at like your your background, you know, what what his mom and dad were like. What? How yeah. does mom and dad feel about 
that's so funny. So thinking about how you grew up and what the value system for mom and dad was, mm. now you're selling 200 plus dollar jeans. Yeah. I don't know um, how they, I don't think I've ever asked them, um, Okay, but I'm sure part of it is amusing to them. Um, but I also think that they, they think it's cool that we we were able to build something on our own. It definitely yeah. wasn't something that I studied in college or it wasn't in on the right. roadmap or whatever, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess also being married to a very supporting wife who held it down, um, for a long time after yeah. I actually quit my day job to work on this. Um, and it took longer to That's draw salary. Yeah. It took a lot longer to draw salary than I that expected. Is important. Um, they saw us as a family, you know, and that we were able to make our own decisions and they, you know, they said, you know, well, you know, you guys are, are on your own now and you know, that's, that's on you guys to, to figure out not in a, that's on you to figure out, but in a, in a supportive right. way, uh, I guess there's a level of stability that they saw that was like, Oh, okay. You good. Yeah. And maybe that they saw that when they became, you know, husband and wife, they're mm-hmm. like, okay, now we're our own family. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, back to Johan coming on board. Um, full-time in 06 um, and me quitting my job at the beginning of 07. That was right around the time when we started making a move to develop a full collection. And uh, the, the the lineup was going to be big. We were trying to do everything. Up until that point, we only made t-shirts and sweatshirts and and whatnot. And we were going to introduce t-shirts, ja- hoodies, hats, a all jacket, a jacket or two. Mm-hmm. Um, this time around, we were going to introduce like a fleece collection, like, a, you know, a, a bunch of custom developed fleece, um, sweatshirts, crewnecks, whatnot, um, button downs, jackets, shoes, jeans. And our first pair of jeans were going to be a pair of raw indigo salvage jeans. Um, and, uh, we launched all that. We showed it at trade shows six months beforehand. Uh, I think fall 08 was when it launched. So we were showing it, um, I don't know, January. And, yeah. uh, and, and at our peak, I think we were selling to 150 or so stores, mm-hmm. the rece- uh, you know, the recession and kicked in. So, you know, the economy was riding high. People were opening up stores, yeah. cities and towns. They had no business opening up in. Right. Um, so we were just moving units. We're doing really well. Um, and right around that time, as the economy took a downturn, we introduced this collection and we showed it to them. And, uh, the designs were a lot more reserved and clean uh-huh. than what you would expect out of a streetwear brand. Yeah. You know, there's stuff that we made stuff that I still wear to this day. Um, and, uh, it was more expensive because we wanted it, you know, we wanted to use good fabrics. We wanted it to, to, to be made well. I guess we just came at it with a little bit of a different perspective. Yeah. We could have went, okay, we want it to look like this, but it can't cost that. Yeah. So we're going to have to use cheaper fabrics or mm. we're going to have to cut some of the details out. Um, and that just never really occurred to us to do. Yeah. So we put it out there. We lost a bunch of accounts. A lot of accounts closed down over the next year. Um, a lot of them just couldn't go where we were going. And they said, we love you guys and your brand, but there's just really nothing here for our customers. Um, but in that, you know, and, and, and then of course we were trying to hit a, a higher end shop that, you know, had a customer that could afford it, but we were a nobody in that arena. Nobody ever heard of 316, you know? That's got to be tough. That got to be tough. It was crazy. We went down to, I think, at, you know, the season after we we went from over 100 accounts to maybe 20, mm. you know? That's a um, big hit. Yeah. Yeah. And we were just struggling to make our minimums. Like the factory has a minimum number of pieces that they want to make. Yeah. And we were just trying to get there. 
e-commerce wasn't a big thing for us at the time. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we had our own avenue to just move units ourselves. Um, and even if we did, our existing customer base probably wouldn't know what was going on. Like, why are you making $120 button downs? Yeah. You know, why are you making a $200 pair of jeans? What, and, and even, and I'm, I'm just going to be selfish because it's my podcast. Like, I think about that kind of stuff sometimes. It's like, man, I want to transition or take this in a different direction. And I want to try to make more high, high end stuff. Like, how did you keep it afloat? Did you just say, we're going to go for it? And by God's grace, it worked out. It was lean times, you know? You, so you stuck to the, the guns of the... We ha- I mean, we had to. We, we developed this collection. We showed it, you know? And, and uh, we took orders on every person that we could, you know, every shop that we could take orders from. Yeah. And it was low. It was low. It's not like they were buying a bunch of stuff. They were like, you know, one small, one medium, one large, mm. you know? And so... Um, it, it was a long time ago at this point, so it's hard for me to remember how stressful it was, Yeah, but I, I know that it was for, for both of us. Um, and then to fund it, you know, to produce it. And, uh, but what came out of that was the, uh, the reality that our genes were outpacing everything else we were making, you know, um, we launched in. fall 08 and uh at the time this is where this is where uh you know our our path started to cross more specifically with self-edge kia was um kia who who owns self-edge with his wife um he was uh he was the one that sold johanna's first pair of nice jeans Mm -hmm. um and uh we were going back and forth with him just asking for his advice as we were developing this gene right and he gave us some input and and uh and we made it. And when we finished it, we showed it to him. We said, do you want to carry this at the shop? And he said, no, uh, I don't think it's right for me because it's just, a, a, I mean, everything else I have in the store is made in Japan and it's at the certain quality level uh-huh. and it's just not there. Right. Uh, it's not a bad gene at all. Not, not, you know, not at all, but it's just wouldn't fit in. Yeah. And we said, okay, no problem. So we made a hundred pairs and we set off to try and sell them ourselves, you know, and move them with our different retail accounts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Spring of 09 is where it happened. Um, he, uh, he emailed us and said, uh, hey, guys, I, I think there might be room in the shop for more of like an entry-level brand for a customer that might not be ready to take the plunge into a $300 pair of jeans. Yeah. Um, and more importantly, I, I like you guys as people, mm-hmm. and I think it would be fun to work together. Yeah. And we said yes. You know, Johan's longtime friendship with Kia, you know, had kind of laid that foundation of, you know, uh, and, and gave us that relationship. Um, in fact, Kia owned a streetwear store for some time and was buying 316 graphic t-shirts already. So, okay. so we so knew each was, other. Yeah, got you. And then he opened a store he wanted to open, which was bringing in rare brands from Japan that people hadn't seen before. Yeah. And... Uh, it just so happened that we were on similar pages in terms of wanting to make that gene. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't going to carry our t-shirts at self edge. Right. Um, and, uh, he brought it in for spring of 09 and it did really well. Um, and around this time, so we're at 162 Allen street, which is our current office space. Mm-hmm. And, uh, at the time we were at 151 Allen, which is across the street. Okay. Um, it was also ground level and we had this idea um, to, to turn it into some kind of retail office combo thing. 
Um, we could work on a desk or two in the back, put a collection up in the front. And if anybody ever walked in and wanted to buy something or try something on, just stand up and help them out. There you go. Yeah. And uh, between Johan and I, we were going to just pull whatever, whatever money we had, which wasn't much to try and renovate the space and build it out and whatnot. And mm-hmm. between the two of us, we're like, I think we can manage $10,000 together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anybody who's done anything in terms of building out a space knows that $10,000 does not go very far. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in our ignorance, we were like, mm, you know, we'll make it work. We'll see what happens. Go for it. Swing for it. And so Johan went up to the bay to, to, to hang out with Kia and they had lunch. And after, after lunch, they were, you know, he was about to go and he told Kia, I was like, yeah, we're about to, start building out our, our space, make a little 316 store in the Lower East Side. Yeah. And Kia's like, we should do Selfish New York together. And uh, Johan gets on the phone with me immediately. I bet. Yeah. After after he leaves. And and yeah, we and we ended up putting a lot more than ten thousand dollars in. Um, you know, rang up some credit card bills. Um just dug underneath our mattresses. Get all that change out of the, yeah. out of the cushions. And uh, what ended up was, I mean, something that really changed the the path of our of our company. You know, we had uh, a, a, a retail location for that was you know not just our brand, but by all intents and purposes, you know, we treated it as though it was a flagship store. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a home base. It was where, somewhere where people could actually come and hang out and see us and meet us. Yeah, talk to us, give us feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just it really projected us forward, and uh, a year later we opened up Los Angeles. Um, and I think that that I don't want to say cosign, but you know, Kia believing in what we did, and not only just in in word, but actually bringing it into the store that uh, that helped change maybe not change people's perspectives, but put us in front of a lot of new customers. Yeah. So, you know, um, when we opened up South Edge New York, um, there were people people coming in looking at all these other brands that Kia had worked hard so, you know, worked really hard to build. Yeah. Um, and uh, then they would see 316. And it would be the biggest compliment to us if they bought a pair of Iron Hearts and bought a pair of 316 jeans mm-hmm. together, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you know what? What I'm proud of is that over time, people have started to come to South Edge for 316. Yeah. And, uh, and they've come here. And they've bought 316s and then have been introduced <laughs> to the other stuff yep. that Selfish carries. That's so what goes, happened to me. Yeah, it goes, it goes both ways. I started with 316 and then the, that's where the doors open to all of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so a few seasons later, it became very apparent to both Johan and me that um, jeans were outpacing everything else sales-wise. Mm-hmm. And we were always in a cash crunch. We could never afford to make all the stuff we wanted to make. Yeah. And so we had to make the hard decision to cut everything and just focus on jeans. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't we take all of our time, all of our resources and try and make the je- best jeans that we can make and to try and keep up with demand, yeah. you know, make, you know, make more jeans. Um, and uh, that was important for us. It helped us to really focus. It's hard to develop a new collection every six months. I bet. You know? Um, and, uh, and so with that burden kind of lifted, um, it, it helped us to, that was around the time that we started uh, exploring the possibility of developing our own custom fabric. Mm. And even that relationship came through, through Selfedge. Um, so what we have now today is a gene that's been put through the ringer. You know, we've, we've adjusted so many parts of that gene from the first, from the first iteration. And, uh, 
while I'm really proud of that first jean, I have friends that right on that shelf, actually, there's a pair of jeans from our very first run. Um, might be the one to the right, all the way on the right. Yeah. I am looking at the first run of 316. Yeah, that's, my buddy, right here. that's my buddy Tim's jeans. Um, and they were from our very first run. And uh, if you look at it, it's held up admirably and it's worn in beautifully. Um, none of the stitches are busted. It's, it's a good jean. But I can tell you now that the jeans that we're making today are head and shoulders above that jean. Yeah, I'm sure. So, I mean, there was a lot of consideration put into every single aspect. Um, and a lot of that happened because we were able to, you know, cut everything else out and focus and, and, uh, and make, you know, make this a priority. That's dope, man. That's fantastic. I think that's a good way. That's a good place to, to bring it to a halt. Yeah. 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 And and it and this is a short episode, like you like. <laughs> I love the short episodes. Yeah, I'm not so trying to keep you guys hostage forever. So, last question, like I always ask, and I've told you guys before, the whole thing behind Barefoot is believe, create, inspire. Take what you believe, create something, inspire your circle of influence. So, the real ultimate goal with this brand is to inspire people to participate in the creative process. That's mm. what I want. Whether it be through a T-shirt, through us talking about comics, you know, Andrew's origin story, or whatever we do. I want you to see it, engage with it, and go. Maybe I can do something if, if this knucklehead can hey, <laughs> do speak a podcast. For <laughs> right. oh, a podcast, yeah, we're good, we're good. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> if this if this guy can start a podcast, maybe I can do it. Or man, because that's that's me. That's me. I engage with these things. I see what Andrew's done. I see what this guy, that girl, has done, and I go, well, man, if they can do it, maybe I can do it. So, with inspiration being the goal. What do you want the lasting effect of your life, your creativity to be on your circle of influence? How do you want to inspire those who you've been able to reach in your circle? I mean, I should start with my family. They're closest to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope that when this is done, that my wife knows that I, you know, I cared about her and about her family and that, um, in, in, in working on 316, it was, you know, it, it, it's been tough. It still is tough. Sure. But it, in, in many ways, it gives me life and hopefully allows me to be a better husband and, and better father. Yeah. Um, just by being fulfilled, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and, and finally finding something that I'm excited and mm-hmm. passionate about. Yeah. Um, which in turn, instead of just like delving headfirst into it and ignoring everything else, just allows me to come home and be rejuvenated and energized yeah you know ready to um to look out for her too Mm -hmm. um so i want uh, you know for her i hope that you know i'm i'm a i'm a present husband you know um and and a present father too for my two boys um i hope that i can leave something with them to the effect of you know i i tried yeah you know and i and i for for whatever season of my life it was, I tried and I, I found something that was exciting and uh, that was also reasonable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I say reasonable, I mean that it actually does pay our bills. Yeah. You know, if it was Important. today and we have two kids and we have bills and I'm still trying to run after something that, that can't, you know, support us. Right. Um, that's irresponsible. Right. Um, and uh, I hope that, they are inspired to look for something exciting earlier on in life, but also mm. to know that it's okay if you can't find it yet. Yeah. It took me a long time. You know, I know a lot of people stress over 
you know, how old they are and how far they are along in life. Um, and also looking at other people that might've gotten further yeah, by the world standards, right. Mm-hmm. Um, at a younger age and, uh, I'm, I'm old, but I, you're not I that old. No, nah, and I don't regret it. I really don't. Um, even though I had to su- uh, suffer for seven years at a corporate gig, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot that I learned there. I learned how not to treat people. Um, I learned how uh, corporate hierarchies and all that nonsense really work, and uh, and to to stay away from that. You know, even with with as small of a company as we have, you know, I would never want to talk to somebody the way that I, I was talked yeah. to in the past. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't I don't regret that. And so if our boys, if it takes a long time for them to get there, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Um. With the people that I work with, you know, uh, with Johan and with all the other team at 316, I, you know, I hope that they know that I, I love what I did and I tried. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I don't know, if, if for, for anybody else out there that knows what we do and there's no really, no real reason you should, <laughs> you should know what we do. If you do, it's, you know, that's, I guess that's fortunate for us. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that we, we did our best to treat, you know, you, the customer well, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about how like stitches don't break and whatever stitches do break. Yeah. Rivets fall off and, yeah. you know, sometimes, you know, jeans fall apart before they're supposed to fall apart because mm-hmm. they're, they're made with human hands and people right. make mistakes and the people packing the box might've made a mistake and didn't, didn't see it. Right. Um, but to try and treat people fairly, you know, when that stuff does happen, um, to make a product with integrity you know, to pay people on time. Yeah. You know, that's important. Um, and, and those are when people ask, like, how does your faith work into what you do? Those are, those are things that, that help guide it. Just like, yeah, sure. we can't, we can't pay every bill on time. Um, but we really try hard to, yeah. and if we can't, we try and be open and let people know about it. Um, to be honest, to treat people with respect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that, it's far more important, you know, that if somebody finds out that I am a Christian, um, that they're able to kind of tie it into everything else that I, I, yeah. I strive for, you know, that they can um, look at, they can, yo, they should, they shouldn't discover that I'm a Christian and be like, really? What? what? Yeah. That guy. Yeah. They should be like, uh, ah, yeah. that's why. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not the only reason to treat people well, but people, sure. you know, they're, they're business owners of many different faiths or lack of faith that right. treat people well for right. their reasons. That's right. why, that's why we try. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Going back to what we were talking about before about, you know, come correct or don't come at all Mm -hmm. versus try. I'm definitely in the try camp now. Yeah. You know, look at that. There's so much that you can benefit from, you know? Yes. Um, and there's maybe a lot that other people can benefit from your experience, you know, years down the line, you can tell them like, this did not work. I bricked it. Right. Um, do not do this. Do not do this or maybe try it anyways and maybe well, your experience beware. will be different, you yeah. know? Anything. Keep an eye out for this. Yeah, I have I have a lot of a lot of stories from my boys if they ever want to hear them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I will say cool. this though, this one little thing, your boys want to hear them. Even if they don't ask you, they want to. I joke around about it all the time. They don't have a choice, man. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz me growing up without a dad, you know what I mean? Hmm. Like I I even though I don't know him, yeah, there's always something in the back of your mind like, I wonder, well, hmm, I wonder if, well, maybe that's why, you know, and even with my mom, yeah, like, why? Like, I wish I knew, you know what I mean? So, 
I don't have any kids yet, but I can tell you from a son who doesn't have a father. Yeah. Even if they don't know, they want to know. They want to know. They're going to want to know at a certain age. They're going to wish, you know, and I think it's great. Like you say, I lose track of how many times I hug my sons because I think those are the things that are going to really pay dividends. And at a certain age, you don't even know to ask. But when it's not there, yeah, you can feel it. And now you're trying to figure it out at this point. So thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. I knew this was going to be good, Andrew. I hope so. I, I hope I hope I hope it was. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you let the people know where they can find you on the internet? Um, three sixteen, three sixteen dot com. The number three in the word sixteen spelled out. Um, that's all of social media as well. And then uh, you could find me Andrew three sixteen. And you can find me Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat at Octavius A Newman O C T A V I U S A N E W M A N. Again, this podcast is brought to you by Bear Fruit. You can check this thing out, sign up, subscribe, rate, review, five stars, and a positive comment if you like it on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher. It's on SoundCloud. Leave us some comments. Tweet at Andrew and I. Let us know what your thoughts are, what your feedback is. We want to hear from you. We appreciate you listening to us talk. I have a great time doing these things. Like, good. Good. You're good at them. Yeah. They're, they're, it's so insightful. Like, I mean... I love this. Like I'm, when I tell you internet, finding podcasting through making clothes, I feel blessed, you know, to be like, man, I'm, I like this. People think I'm good at it. So I hope you guys are enjoying it. You know, I hope you guys are, are appreciating it and the tweets that we get and the reviews we get and the comments we get. It sounds like you are. So I'm glad to be a vessel that's used to be able to bring you these stories through the relationships I have. So Hopefully, um, this this episode inspires you as much as it inspires me. So, shout out to Wes Pendleton for this beautiful outro music that's probably playing right now. Yes. <laughs> yep. So, you got anything else? No. Buy some jeans. Thank you. No, buy jeans if you want them. Don't buy them if you don't want them. Um, buy some jeans. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all we got. Until next time, we love you all. Peace. Peace.